Jenkins, bro. Pleasure to meet you, man. Nice to meet you too, brother. Thank you for uh, thank you for making time for the podcast. No problem. So, like I was telling you before the podcast, um, we had uh, Lorenzo Booker in here. It was last year, sometime. Um, crazy dude, like that. That was the first time that I ever met him, and that combo was was amazing, dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was bringing you up a lot in the podcast, and I'm just putting everything together. I'm like, man. I remember your name buzzing when I was in Wainimi, dude. Yeah. You were doing it out there. So, um, yeah, let's dive into it. Um, where were you? Uh, where were you born and raised at? Well, <clears throat> I was uh, born in Los Angeles. Uh, my family, uh, the majority of my family, is born and raised in uh, L.A. Okay. Um, I was born there and uh, came out here at a young age. So I was raised in Oxnard, um, uh, South Oxnard. Um, so I grew up um, what's called Cuesta del Mar now, the street in uh, uh, South Oxnard, but it was called Alaric Street okay. before that. Okay. Um, they changed the name. It was it had a, a bad reputation over there, so I think they changed the name. Um, but yeah, I grew up in South Oxnard. Um, obviously, like you know, went to... Uh, Wainimi High School, uh, went to uh, Eel Green Junior High School, mm. um, and was at Parkview Elementary, uh, which is in Wainimi. Um, That's the same three that I went to. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I grew up in Oxnard, uh, you know, um, uh, all my uh, uh, vivid memories of growing up. Um, all the fun times and you know trials and tribulations that you go through it always comes back to Oxnard so it has a special place in your heart yeah I mean because you know when you grow up you know those those moments um, those younger moments those are the moments that you remember you know and even though I I grew up um, I didn't have much um, but you don't really know that you don't have much mm. in the moment. You don't really know that until you grow up and you're out and you you see what the difference you, the difference of of having and not having. Um, I grew up with my mother, and uh, you know at some point she got uh, had a drug problem. Mm. Um, I didn't grow up with my father, um, and then my grandmother basically took over at some point and and raised me. So. But even that, you know, my grandmother was on a fixed income. Um, but again, in the moment, you know, we always ate, had food on the table. Um, I might have didn't have uh, all the other stuff that some kids may have had or not. But um, I never went without eating or getting what I wanted. Yeah. You know, so you always have those memories. You know, those are the the less stressful times of your life. You know, what I'm saying. The st- Things get stressful when you become an adult and you have responsibilities. You know what I'm saying? So you you see the difference between when you're a kid and a teenager, opposed to being an adult and getting all these responsibilities and stuff. It's it's a different ball game. For sure, man. That's what I try to relate to my son. He's 15 right now, and all those kids in school, man. You think that we grew up fast, bro? They're growing up crazy fast. Yeah, yeah. I try to tell him. I say, bro, you only have about three years until life starting to get real for you dude 
enjoy this do Absolutely. not do not try to live fast because mm-hmm. once you get there it's a trap dude absolutely damn i got a lot of stuff i gotta worry about now, yeah. yeah so at at a what age was it that you realized that your lifestyle was a lot different than the outside because i'm 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 guessing that maybe everybody that you associated with kind of lived the same lifestyle that you did well <clears throat> i knew i was different um in elementary school um because usually when you're the most athletic or the fastest kid around your school or whatever you become the most popular kid Mm. um you're standing out you know when you're playing kickball and you're the best kickball player then you're going to stand out if you're running races and you're always winning you're going to kind of stand out so i kind of knew i was a little different at that age but going into when i was sixth grade going into seventh eighth grade you know my mind uh was a little different you know i was you know my crew we were um you know trying to get in the streets mm. that was our you know we come from a culture of southern california for sure is is a gang culture you know and it seems to be a, a um fashionable thing you know so we you know kids tend to um think they want to go that route yeah and i was one of those kids um and some of my day one friends got heavy in it. Uh, I didn't, um, only because I found my I found my love fairly quickly, and um, and I was attached to playing football. So it, it stopped me from kind of going that route 100. percent But my friends, for sure, the friends that I developed from <clears throat> sixth grade and up, you know. They just went that direction. Already at sixth grade. Yeah, we was, we were some uh, <clears throat> some wild kids, man. Like mm. when I think about the things I was doing um, in elementary school, it's just I was a um, I grew up kind of fast, you know. Yeah. I was just doing some wild stuff. Um, nothing like you know, I wasn't breaking the law, but I'm just saying, just my mentality was like when I look at my eight year old right now, I just He's so different than I was at eight. Yeah, I was doing jumping off walls and doing backflips and front flips off of things, and I lost my kidney when I was six. Oh my gosh! In a bike accident, jumping off a a ramp and stuff. He, I mean, he don't do none of that type of stuff. Um, and I did that at six, and I oh, and I damaged my shit. kidney. So what happened there? Um, so I, I was on a bike, <clears throat> and uh. You know, doing all kind of popping willies and just jumping off stuff, <laughs> and I crashed into a wall and I, um, the handlebars or something, something damaged um, my kidney um, pretty bad, so they had to remove it. Um, but my point to to that is, I was just so much more active at a young age and getting involved in things like that uh, at a young age. You know, um, even fighting and stuff. Like I don't know why. I wasn't even like that, but um, we was just wild kids, man. And at some point, it slowed down. But um, but yeah, just growing up at a young age, I was just a little more advanced than um, for my kids, for sure. That I, how I see them, and yeah. it's maybe because I just try to keep them away from even getting involved in any anything, you know, like that. But I, I homeschool 
uh, my eight-year-old. Um, and I just, you know, try to keep him away from that because, you know, school is tough. Yeah. You know, a lot of influencers, um, like you were saying earlier, these kids grow up fast. You know, it's the internet out there, you know, social media and all that type of stuff. So it's a lot different than it was for me growing up, for sure. You know, we didn't have that. You know, it was physical stuff. You had to see stuff, sitting outside, seeing stuff, and and you might want to get involved in something that you see. But now it's you just can get online and just see all kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, just the way kids are talking now is, is, is crazy. But so I try, I just you know keep my and I got a one year old, so he gonna be homeschooled too. Oh, that's uh, awesome, man. So you know, I just learn. You learn from your experiences and. Um, you just try to do things different. So when you were growing up, um, you say that your grandma was mostly raising you. Mm-hmm. Was uh, she pretty strict on you or you were able to just do what you wanted to do? She tried to be, but, you know, like I said, I wasn't doing no crazy stuff like, you know, breaking the law. But I still was a young, a young man that, you know, if I want to sneak out the house, I was going to sneak out the house. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, we respected her so much that we listened. To, you know, she didn't want us to do something. For the most most time, we were just not going to do it. But still, being a kid and a human, and being curious and 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 liking girls and you're into those types of things, yeah, you're gonna find a way to do what she don't want you to do. For sure, you know what I'm saying. So, for the most part, we listened. For you know that other half, we didn't listen. Now, you were saying about. Um you know, like the streets and drug culture and stuff like that being fashionable. I could totally, uh, I could totally agree with you there, man. Was it something that, that you would actually see in person or was it more of like, you know, music and, and, and things like that? No, nah, not music. I saw it in person. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, growing up, like I said, my friends were different. You know what I'm saying? We, they was, you know, they was wild just like I was. Um, the only difference between me and some of the kids that I grew up with is that I found something real early to attach myself to that took me my mind away from jumping into that. Got you. 100%, right? These same kids played sports just like I did. They just didn't find it as fast as I did. You know what I'm saying? So they just strayed the other way. Yeah. But as far as seeing it, I saw it. I mean, it was right, right on my my doorstep you know what i'm saying drugs i seen my mother was on drugs i have my aunts uncles they all struggled at some at some time for with drugs so i saw it firsthand and the the gangbanging stuff i saw that my friends were doing that uh people that i looked up to at that at that time in my life were those types of people gotcha you know what i'm saying so when you look up to people like that who have a reputation and they seem to be the guys um that's what what makes you want to do it. You know For what I'm sure. saying? Not that I want to go out there and just hurt somebody. It's just I more looked at it like when I'm looking outside and I'm looking at a group of kids, male and female, all together. They seem like a unit. They seem like that's what I liked about it. I liked the mm. the the unit, the unity of it. Um, that's what attracted me to it just seeing that and I wanted to be a part of something like that you know what I'm saying that's what the initial the initial um, attraction was that 
Um, some of the stuff that come with it, I was cool with that because I was already that type of kid. Yeah. But the other stuff, that's not, you know, that's not normal stuff. I mean, you want to get into some of the stuff that, you know, gangsters do. It's not, that's not a normal thing For that sure. people do. But I was just on the surface of just being a part of something. That's what I initially saw at that age. I was about maybe six when I started seeing that type of stuff. Oh, my God. Five, that's six. early. So, so yeah, it's just, you know, and and that's no different from most of the people that grew up in those areas. Like, when you grow up in an area like that, it's really easy to be influenced, especially at a young age. Yeah, for sure. So, at what age did you start to find your passion for football? Um, When I really found it, I would... I would say I think I would say eighth ninth grade you know yeah for sure ninth grade that's when I really uh, felt it so that's freshman year of Wainimi High yeah so before that did you play for any uh, any teams or anything like that yeah yeah I played I think two years of Pop Warner okay so I, I didn't I started late you know, some kids now they start at six, but because I lost my kidney, um, my mother kept me away from that type, that type of uh, contact sport. So I, my first sport was actually baseball. Oh, okay. So I played baseball for a while, and then um, at some point she uh, let me play football. So I only played like two years of Pop Warner football, and then went into high school. So at this time, when you first start to play football. Um and then you lost your kidney. Did you notice anything different in your uh, your performance or your your way of living life with without the kidney? No. Well, with performance wise, I, I was so young, I didn't have anything to relate it to. Got you. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. But what I that experience was uh was a trauma. It was trauma. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was a kid. I was a child basically, and I was in the hospital for a long time. And uh, I remember like it was yesterday, and, and and as a 45 year old man today, I can see why I don't like certain things like hospitals and needles and stuff like that. Is because of that experience gotcha. that I had at that that age, you know. Uh, so the way I look at it, like I was in the hospital for so long, they had to teach me how to walk. Oh my God! Um, I was in bed, you know, so I had to get taught how to walk, and you know, it changed, you know, it changed my life. At that at that age, you know what I'm saying. So, um, that was a big part of my life, that incident. And uh, but again, I didn't have nothing to relate it to because I wasn't playing any type of sport like that at that age. Gotcha. Um, but what I do know is um, recovering from that. You know, you know the universe is is a is a beautiful is a beautiful place, and it it. Uh, for me to come out of that situation and and become what I became and um, being a fast runner, being known for having speed when I was being taught how to walk again when I was six, I, I look at that um, a certain way. It's it's inspiring for me. That tells me that no matter what type of stuff you go through, that you can get through it, especially when your intent when your intentions are are pure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I like what you mean by the intentions are pure, man. Because, yeah. like, I'm I'm a real big uh, believer in the universe, and you you get back what you what you put out, mm -hmm. you know. And 
the way that I navigate now, bro, is just like, as long as my intentions are pure, I'm going to do what I feel is right. And whatever happens, that's that's what was meant to happen. Absolutely. Because my intentions were pure. So there's been times in the past where I would do things without pure intentions, with intentions of, you know, ego or greed or something like that. And then it goes wrong. And then now I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. That's because of this or it's because of that yeah but then when you're just when your intentions are pure and you're just trying to do the right thing that you feel at that time and it's just like hey i did my best yeah that's all i could do and yeah. it makes it a little easier to deal with that situation whatever whatever absolutely. it is in hand absolutely so get to ninth grade start playing football when do you start to notice that you're better or you're you're more advanced than the than the people that you're playing with. Well, I would say I'll just leave it at eighth grade. Mm. That's when I kind of knew I was a little more different than I thought I was. Because at that point, I'm running around, um, and I'm running around in the park with older guys, um, playing football, just out in the park playing football. And I'm, the things that I was doing at that age against, like, junior college guys. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, I was just out there doing just natural gifted things that, that, were, that, were, that I was blessed with, not even thinking. Yeah. Um, and that's when I knew right there. But when I became a freshman, when they... Uh, when they when they figured it out, at some point they they moved me up from the freshman team to the varsity team. Um, so I played both freshman and varsity. Um, and the couple games when I first got moved up to varsity, I didn't play. Um, the next week came, I didn't play. The third week, I believe, because they moved me and my my best friend Rashad cousins up and they moved George Jones who was a, a friend of mine and they moved him up first he he became the starting quarterback for the varsity team as a freshman wow. very talented um, man but then they moved me and my, my boy Rashad up so that third week came and we were like man I ain't dressing out these motherfuckers ain't playing us mm. you know but that same day the coach saw me in the locker room and said hey make sure you suit up you're going to play tonight. And I was like, damn. All right, well. So I suited up, and uh, I can't remember who was the receiver that got hurt, but he got hurt, and then they threw me in. And they just, I did a go route, which is a nine route, just a, just try to outrun the corner, and they threw it up to me, and I caught it and scored my t first touchdown as a varsity, as a freshman. Wow. And uh, that game I did you know, pretty good. I think I had my like four catches and a touchdown. So the first game that you ever played as varsity. a freshman on varsity, already a touchdown. Absolutely. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. So the uh the game what was it uh in November ninety mm. five. Mm -hmm. Was it a six hundred and seventeen yard? Nineteen. Six hundred and nineteen yards in one game. Yeah. How old were you at this time? 
or what grade were you in excuse me senior senior okay yeah. what what was that day like dude because i was just telling my uh my guy downstairs just breaking it down to him like bro that that's pretty insane was it seven touchdowns yeah um it was seven touchdowns two got called back um due to the penalties and a few runs got called back so it, it could have been worse than that mm-hmm. um could have been at least nine touchdowns and it could have been at least close to 700 yards oh my probably. god um because there are long runs that they called back but that night was crazy um it was the last game of the season and you know i didn't go in there trying to do that or expecting anything i i approached every game the same just do the best i can ball out and and keep it moving so but as i got older and look back at that situation, I see what it was. Mm. You know, I see what all the hard work and and not winning was preparing me for that moment of leaving this chapter and going into my new chapter, which is college football. Because mm-hmm. I was at Wyoming High School. We didn't get no recognition like that. We weren't winning. So we weren't like the other schools who were winning and 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 getting the recognition but my work didn't stop my work ethic never stopped I never stopped uh, working to get to where I want to go to and I believe that it's because of that that I left that print on high school football I left that print on the city of Oxnard and Ventura County um, that this is who I am Mm-hmm. going into my next chapter I left something behind and that was a national record something that's never been done before in the history of football um, so a lot of stuff came with that Wyoming High School got a lot of attention from that a lot of colleges started coming through that campus that had never been there before um, a lot of things happened Sports Illustrated uh, ESPN a lot of stuff happened because of that and it wasn't just about me it was really about where I came from you know what I'm saying? So that's how I looked at it. It's just yeah. really where I came from. For sure, because I graduated in 03, and still your name was still buzzing in the halls, man. Yeah. That record lasted for almost 10 years. Yeah, lasted for a while, yeah. So when you went into this game, was that kind of your goal, is I'm going to do the best that I can and just close this chapter out the best? Well, yeah, like I said, I, I approached every game the same. But um, this was my obviously my last game of the season, and I, at that point I already knew I was going to college and all that stuff. So it was no extra amount of energy or anything. I just you know went in the game to the ball out. I yeah. mean that's any team we ever played. I went into that game looking at to do that. Uh, it just so happens to turn out to be crazy and break a national record. Where did you get your uh, work ethic from? Um, and your discipline. I, the discipline, you know, over time I became more disciplined. Um, it didn't always uh, be like that. You know, my my uncle, uh, my uncle Duke, played a, a a big role in my life as far as um, just being. A father figure and also uh, teaching me um, how to how to work 
um, me wanting to work and working hard, I think was just in me. Mm. I can't really give no one that credit. He never had to tell me to work hard. He showed me what to do and I did it with the full, uh, just 100%. Everything I did was fast. Every drill, every, every workout was always a max workout for me. And, and I think that um, at some point he told me to practice like you want to play. Like do everything you're going to do right here that you want to do in the game. So what that told me is that I want to score touchdowns. I want to score long touchdowns. I want to run for 70 or 80 yard touchdowns. So when I would get the ball in practice, I'm running to the end zone, full speed, doing moves. Like everything I'm doing, I'm envisioning I'm inside a, a football game. And that's how, I, um, that's how I practice. That's how I prepared for the game. Mm. It's as I, in practice, I'm in the game. So I'm doing everything full speed. I'm not taking no breaks off no plays. I'm, I'm when I catch the ball or when I run the ball, I'm doing everything as if I'm in a real game, and that, that's just how that's just how it was. Now that um, that discipline that you had for football did that bleed over into your your normal life into everything else that you would do, or was it just dedicated towards football? It was dedicated towards football at first. I mean, it it eventually. Uh, trickle down to my my everyday life um, you know again like I said earlier what I was attracted to at an early age even though I was never I was never jumped into a game mm-hmm. but my mind was like theirs right and you don't have to be from a gang to be a prideful you know have an ego and mm-hmm. and kind of have a temper or whatever. You don't have to be from a gang to, to, to possess those those things, those traits. So I was that guy. I was a quiet guy, but I was not a punk. Mm-hmm. So those moments would come up, you know, in my everyday life to where, you know, if somebody's messing with me or calling me out, I forget about things and just react in that immature in an immature manner. So it didn't. It took a, a little, a little bit for me to know how to move correctly. Yeah. Me being who I was and being in the position that I'm, that I was uh, in, because you know it's bigger than just me, and it's you know you got a, a skill, you got a, a talent, and you have opportunity to um, use these um, talents to go up, and you just have to learn how to move. And that's what I had to do. I had to learn how to move correctly and be around the right people and just avoid certain situations that, that, could, could, that could go left at yeah. any given time, you know what I'm saying? So the discipline is there now, uh, obviously, and it should be at my age. But it, it, it got there, I would say, in my mid-30s. Mm. 100%, mm. you know, no, not looking for no stuff I'm not looking for anything I'm just 100% energy you know just positive yeah going to every looking at people with no bad intentions not trying to 
um, start no trouble, no arguments or none of that stuff. I'm just quiet and just being my natural self. So what do you do nowadays if somebody tries to, to bring you into that uh, mindset? You know, like say like road rage or something. Somebody looks at you or something like that. Talk. Just, you know, that's all. That's all it takes is a conversation. You know, For sure. Because you never know how you never know what's going on with anyone else. You know, for someone to be that mad over cutting them off in traffic or getting in front of them or whatever the case. You don't know what they're going through. Yeah. Because they're going through something. You right. So they have to be going through something. If that fucked up your day and you want to fight someone or shoot someone. Yeah. Something's not something's not right. Yeah. So I can just I can talk to anyone. You know, talking is you're not a punk cuz you can talk and and see what the problem is and maybe let this person know that what just happened ain't even a big deal. You know what I'm saying? It really isn't a big deal. This is, there's no really that big of a anything that goes on in your day is not really that big of a deal to yeah. to to ruin your life over. Dude, for sure. Um just recently I have a buddy who plays uh, like adult soccer. He's playing adult soccer at uh, for some league, and they're playing at uh, Oxnard High School. And I guess on the other side, the next field over, some guys get in a fight, and one guy ends up beating the other one unconscious, and the guy ends up dying, dude. Mm. This just happened like last week, and one's a uh, mid twenties, another one's like mid forties. Just thinking about that whole situation, like yo, both of you guys just woke up just to go play this game mm. on a Saturday or something like that. One of you is dead and the other one possibly could be going to jail mm. for a long time. Like, that shit ain't worth it, dude. It's not. Like, how much... I get it, dude, because I have, like, an ego pride. I don't know how much of a, how much of it that I really attribute to, how like, how I was brought up, mm. where I was brought up. You know, that, that culture. You know, I was born in Oxnard as well. Same area too. And it's like, people have that built up inside of them. And whenever anybody wants to tell them that they're something that they're not, they're ready to just risk it all. Yeah. And that's like a conflict that I have internally all the time. I'm just like, bro, if you think that I'm a bitch or whatever, like, I don't even know you. Yeah. You don't even know me. You're just saying words right now just to make me get on the same level that you are. Yeah. So you can justify doing something to me that you really want to take this anger out on somebody else. Yeah. Whether it's your girl, your boss, some situation that happened, like and then if you look at it like that, it's like it's sad, bro. Mm. Like I feel bad for these people to think like, yo, why did you have to even get physical in the first place? Yeah. And then you have to take it to a level where you killed a guy dude yeah like oh man i told my wife like after some shit like that dude i never want to fight ever ever again in my life dude well you don't have to fight yeah and this guy's life changed overnight over what some words on a soccer field yeah come on man like for me i would never put myself in that situation what for what yeah. You just ruin everything over what someone said. 
Yeah, for I sure. Mean, it's just, and it seems so minimal that we don't sometimes look at it like we don't feel it, that how stupid that sounds. But it really just sounds dumb to ruin your life over what someone said. For me, playing football and just being in that, that spotlight, it comes in different shades. You get the good, you get the bad. And you, you have to get immune to this shit, whether it's good or bad stuff. I've heard, I hear a lot of stuff that I don't like about me. Mm. I hear a lot of shit that I don't like that's not even true. Mm. I do. And sometimes I get to that point where I want to go back to that that prideful mm-hmm. kid and be like, what's up? Yeah. But I'm in a way bigger position. That's just not even something that I want to deal with. Yeah. So what I need to do and what I do is I just stay away from stuff like that. I don't need to be in anything yeah. like that because why? I mean, I want to see my kids grow up and be happy. I'm doing all kind of different moves in my community to build something that's 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 going to last, a legacy. So I talk to Lorenzo about all the time is the legacy. What we're doing right here is we're we're leaving something behind. We're doing things that ain't never been done before. And we got into the cannabis game with no experience. You know, this, this is a hard business to get into. Yeah. To get a license is a hard thing to do, especially for a minority. So when you when I look at my my journey and that's that's basically what this is. When I look at my journey and, and where I came from, from losing a kidney to to my to the woman that I fell in love with first, which is my mother, get strung out on drugs, not having a dad, seeing a, my stepdad hit my mom, being a part of certain things, whether it's street shit or or wanting to be a part of that football and becoming a star. And, making a lot of money, losing a lot of money, making a lot of money, losing a lot of money. I've been through all kind of different things, emotional things. And where are we at right now? So I look at, I, I cherish these things and I look at life way different. So why am I gonna throw everything away off a moment? A moment that doesn't mean anything. You can say whatever you want about me. What does it really matter? You have people on social media every day. And that's all they do is talk about people. Yeah. They make a living out of talking about people. If we didn't care about it and just ignored it, that shit will go away. Sure. You know what I'm saying? It will go away. Um, But we don't. And people love it. People get on social media every day. They can't. You can't go throughout your day without getting on Instagram. Most people, yeah, or TikTok or some crazy shit. So, this stuff is crazy, you know, and it's and it's and and it's on purpose. I think that the I think the powers of be knew knows how to distract us and get us off what we need to be on and get us on some shit that we don't need to be on. What do you feel like they're distracting us from? The truth. Who we the are? Aliens. Who we are. You mean why we're here? Why we're here? Our, 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 um, we haven't touched the surface on who we are 
as a race, the human race. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about a color. I'm talking about the human, being a human being, the, the power you possess within you. Everything is designed to take you away from who you are. They want you to worship something that's not you. They want you to think that every time something you do that is perceived as being good, you thank someone else for doing it. Mm, mm-hmm. You don't thank yourself. Mm. You thank something else. So that gradually makes you think like it's always something else that's making you do right or work hard or you get out of bed and you come to work. You put the time, the energy into your stuff. Even being here, this is your stuff. And I'm just using you as an example, but people thank God for everything that they do. Yeah. When you need to thank yourself because you are God. You're a part of that entity. Mm-hmm. You can't say you come from God and not be God. If, if, if whatever you worship, whatever you believe in, if it says you are you come from this, then that means you are that too. Yeah, for sure. That's right? that's part of you. So, um, my point, I don't want to get too deep. I don't know how deep you are. You into go this wherever thing. you want, bro. But, um, just throw it at me. I'll know, catch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, um, I just know that um, we are, um, everything is set up from government to religion to um, the health department, everything is set up to take us away from the truth. Because if you know the truth, then you know that you don't need them. Mm -hmm. The system is set up for you to believe that you need them. Money was created for you to need them. What do we need money for? The paper. Exchange of That paper, that paper, if... If you build houses and I make cars, why don't I make you the, whatever car you want, I'll make it for you. And whatever house I want, you build it for me. Yeah, for sure. Is that a good trade? Yeah. I mean, if it, if it all makes sense, if your boy downstairs is a farmer and grows fruits and vegetables, if you make him a house and he supplies you with your fruits and vegetables is that a good trade yeah for sure because you're gonna have to buy the food anyway yeah right yeah i give him a car he gives me my food you build me a house i give you a car yeah right you know what i'm trying to say no no, for for sure we don't need money yeah this because if you can build me what i want that eliminates me being jealous of what you got Mm. I got a big house. You got a big house or whatever house I want. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with it though. When you go to South Oxnard, you you got people that will envy North Oxnard because mm. they seem to have more. Yeah. I'm jealous of you. Now I'm going to rob you. You have a Mercedes. I'm walking. I'm going to break into your car because I think you have something that I don't have that I desire. So if I give you everything that you desire and you give me everything I desire, we're all at the even even playing field. I don't know I no longer want what you have. Yeah. You don't want what I have. If we're all in first class, then 
who cares who's in first class? We're all in first class. Yeah. Right? So when you were coming up, did you have that mentality of that uh, others were more fortunate because of where they were where they were at and you could never reach that level because you weren't born into that fortune? Unfortunately, I didn't have that mindset. And it's not unfortunate, but that's what I said. But I'm not, I didn't never have, I never was jealous. Mm. I was inspired. You know what I'm saying? So if I see, if I see, if I'm, when I'm learning football and I'm, and I, all I'm looking at is NFL and I'm saying that's where I want to go because that's where I said I want to go. I was probably 15 when I said that. So, of course, at 15, I'm not thinking about just football. I'm thinking about what I see that it comes with. And mm. that's the fame and the money and all that stuff. So I'm inspired by seeing people with those things that I want. Never hate, never mad at them. I was always inspired. So when I see, like, growing up, um, the Curtis Richardson, um, Lorenzo's cousin, he was inspirational to me. He, he had went to school, went to college. And then when we, when we clicked up, he was already out of college. And he didn't have a bunch of stuff. It's just he had more than me. But I looked at him and I looked up to him and I, that's what I wanted to have. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he, was, he just seemed to have his stuff together. And that's what I wanted. So he inspired me. You know what I'm saying? I was never mad that he had his stuff together. I never was mad that he seemed to have it all. I was inspired by that. And anyone else that I would see, I just, I never thought about robbing nobody because they had somebody. I just never thought that way. You know what I'm saying? I just was working hard to get to where I wanted to go. And unfortunately, I knew where I wanted to go at an early age. And so all that jealousy shit just didn't exist with me. Yeah. Do you feel like that is one of the biggest problems, though, when people uh, see others that they don't look at it as motivation they look at it as from a jealous point of view and they actually do themselves a disservice from tricking themselves that they could never even get to that situation absolutely i think there's more people who are hurting than not um you know you got people that like i said they live on social media they see all these things and people have purses and watches and cars and houses they look at that and people hate mm -hmm. and it really and it's sad because none of that shit means nothing the houses the cars that shit don't mean nothing yeah it means nothing 100 percent. that the this shit doesn't mean nothing you ain't happy because you have it that's not happiness you know what i'm saying the same people that got billions of dollars are the same people who can lose lose it and kill themselves Mm -hmm. who kills themselves over money yeah right so you can't be happy you can't be complete if you killing yourself over money like if you have a hundred million dollars and you lose 50 you want to kill yourself you got wealthy people that kill themselves over money so how happy can you really be yeah where are you really at in your life if I take this from you you feel like you're nothing. If you're really from nothing, you can go back there because you know how to deal with it. Yeah. Some of these people, they, just don't, they don't know how to deal with anything because they've never been there before. You know what I'm saying? I've, yeah. I've been to these places before. So when I said earlier that I've made money and lost money, made money, 
it didn't kill me. I just know how to go get it. Yeah. I lose it, I just know how to go get it back. You know what I'm saying? Some people just, you know, the jealousy and the envy is just because they don't want to get up and go get it. Just be inspired by it and find your way. And finding your way doesn't mean you have to do exactly what Ronnie Jenkins did. You don't got to play football. My kids don't even play sports. Yeah. And I don't need them to play sports. I don't care if they play sports. I care if they learn how to read, comprehend, count, mathematics, because that's what matters when you go out into the real world. You have to learn how to read. You have to know what you're reading. You have to understand things. You have to know how to count. You have to manage money. That's what matters. Yeah. You can play football and then and then not know how to do any of that. And then when football's over, then what? So as a freshman, or excuse me, as a 15-year-old, you had it in your mind already that you wanted to go to the NFL. Yes. The next step of that would be college. Mm-hmm. So you went to BYU. Mm-hmm. Was that, uh, did you get a scholarship yes. for that? Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. So, what was what was that experience like? Well, <clears throat> before I got to BYU, you know, I heard all the all the um, people who cared about me just giving me advice. You know, it's gonna be college, and everyone's gonna be bigger than you. Everyone's gonna be faster than you. Everyone's gonna be better. And you know, that wasn't the case. But people were bigger than me. I wasn't a, a big guy, but they weren't faster than me, and they weren't better than me. But I know why they were saying it. They were keeping me on my toes to continue to work hard and, and try to be great. Um, so when I went there, um, it was a culture shock uh, for sure. You know, um, I left high school being around the predominant minorities, Hispanics, blacks. Um, there was a, you know, a trickle of Caucasian people and white me at that time. Yeah. Um, to go into a school where it's predominantly white um, and religion, Mormon. They're you know it's a Mormon school. So it was a it was a, a shock from that perspective. And then uh, and then I, at that time I'm looking at football like you like the, my mindset then was you you have to have some blacks to win. You can't you can't win with a predominantly white team. There's no way. I'm, mm. th- I think silly like that at that time. Um, but uh, once we started, then my mind changed real quick because it wasn't even about whether we had a lot of black guys or not. It's a structure. It was structure there and something I never had um, in high school. So BYU was 100% a real program, a real um, um, a real reputable program, um, and it came with structure, and it taught me a bunch of different things. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh, when I got there, I got over the, the, the initial culture shock. I got over that and just blended in, you know what I'm saying, and just continued to do my work and and work hard and, and end up being successful. And that led you to the Chargers. Yes. So what was that like, finally achieving your goal that you set at 15? And- well, a part of my goals was to get drafted and because of poor decision making that I did that I you know decisions that I made in college and just being immature 
stop me from being drafted. You see, so these are these lessons that, you know, this journey, like I, I spoke earlier about, these are, this is a part of that, that um, eye-opening moments that I had in my life um, because it hurt me. You know what I'm saying? I cried like a baby when I didn't get drafted because I did everything that I was supposed to do to get drafted. I was ranked two or three in the country at my position. Um, I was sought after. I was uh, projected to go from the first to the third round. So I did everything physically that I was supposed to do. Mentally, I didn't. Mm. Um, and I didn't know that in the moment, but as I, when I thought about it, as I got older and I knew exactly what, what happened and why it happened and why I didn't get drafted. And that's why it doesn't bother me to this day mm. to even talk about it because the universe works, it works in mysterious ways. You know, you don't really, you might not get it in the moment, but what was going on with me preparing myself for the combine the NFL combine of course I was working hard but I started doing other things that I wasn't accustomed to doing I didn't party growing up right mm. I'm now in LA party doing this staying up all night still working hard but I'm doing things that I don't typically do and my mind is different I'm getting money from agents got a new car you know i'm living that life I'm what was the car bro i got another car my first car was a lexus that's what i was in love with my favorite rapper at the time was corrupt from the dog pound and one of his verses he said i'm rolling a lexus uh, i'm rolling a lexus fuck a benz <laughs> and i fucking took that shit to heart <laughs> so i said fuck a benz i'm gonna get a lexus <laughs> Yeah. And that's what I got. Oh, my yeah. My first car was a Lexus. All right. My agent that I chose took me into uh, Jim Falk Lexus of Beverly Hills, and I drove out of there with a black on black GS 300. Damn. I was that was the, like the bubble one, right? The bubble. It was Those a are sick, bro. Yeah, that was the first, the new one. It was a bubble, yep. Um, but back to what I was saying, um, I was just doing all kind of shit different and I had to be put in my place and the universe put me in my place because when I signed with the chargers, I walked in that facility with the same mindset that I had when I came to college hungry, the same mindset I had gotten to when I was a senior in high school, when I was playing like a man amongst boys, when I was a senior in high school, I was, I was in my in my zone. I was in in that place where I know what I'm doing now. Yeah. So it was easy, right? Just like when I became as I got older in college, it was not the same as it was when I was a freshman in college. I'm into my own now. And that's the mindset that I had when I walked into the Chargers facility. And I'm looking on these walls and I'm looking at all these great players that they're that they're remembering by putting their picture on this wall. You have to be something to be on this wall. And in my mind, I'm saying, I want to be on this wall. I'm not telling nobody what I'm thinking, but I went in there with so much rage that I'm saying, I got to get on this wall 
they didn't draft me. I took it personal and it hurt me because it was personal. So what they saw my rookie year was it was an animal. The Chargers saw animal. Um, and it's crazy because my coach, uh, Mike Riley, who recruited me to go to USC. And, and when I was in high school, he was at USC. And he remembered me from USC camp. Uh, I was a junior in high school when I went to the USC camp and I showed out and I think I got MVP of that camp. Um, but he remembered me and that's why he brought me to, to San Diego. Um, but they got a monster and, you know, like I said, what, what turned out, I didn't get drafted, but I left San Diego holding most of their return records and my pictures on that wall now. So to this day, to this day, my awesome, pictures on that man. wall. Congrats. So, so this just tells you, you know, I remember walking into the facility. And I re- remember that feeling and what that goal that I set for myself internal was to be on that wall. Yeah. And I didn't even know I was on the wall. My buddy, Kerry Colbert, who went to Wyoming, yeah, who played in the NFL, he was doing a internship, I believe, with the Chargers. He was there for some reason. And he sent me a picture. Damn. And that's how I knew I was on the wall. I didn't even know I was on the wall. Wow. I've been, I was been on the wall and didn't even know it. You know what I'm saying? So it's funny because I didn't even know I was even on it. You know what I'm saying? So it's crazy how things work, you know, um, to not be drafted, to go in there and hold most of their records and leaving behind something because, you know, I, I went on an internship to the Chargers and they they treat me so well the relationship that we have and it's the respect thing you know when I when I think about the respect I had from Junior Seau that's crazy to me because he was the guy yeah and he respected me and I know that because that's what he showed me you know what I'm saying he he respected my game he respected my work ethic you know I played with some guys Jerry Rice Tim Brown Romanowski Junior Seau Charles Woodson, like I was fortunate to really play with some guys that really respected my game, you know what I'm saying? So not being drafted yet hurt me in the moment, but at the end of the day, um, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yeah. And that's how it, that's just how it is in life. Yeah, for sure. So you uh, leave the Chargers and you go to the Raiders for a short while, mm-hmm. and then uh, what, what made you – quit your football career the Raiders you know I grew up a Raider fan and but going there just was a bad experience man and I a lot of people don't know the stories but I'm gonna tell you one um so going to the Raiders one was an emotional decision you know I was upset that I left the Chargers I didn't like it um we had a new coach come in at the Chargers, Marty Schottenheimer, uh, rest in peace. And, you know, I was coming off a Pro Bowl year. I led the league in every category in kickoff returns. Um, I was the best at that moment. I, in that time, I was the best return man. He comes in the following year, and he treats me like I'm not. You know, he's doing things that I did. I just didn't understand. So that was my first moment of 
dealing with business of the NFL. It wasn't about how good I was or what I did. They have an agenda. And if they don't want to pay you, they're going to do things to justify why they're not paying you. So I just went through a lot of shit towards my end at San Diego. So me picking the Raiders was just to fucking play the Chargers mm-hmm. and eat their ass up. That's what my mindset mm. was, which I shouldn't have done that. I should have picked a better team to go to that was more fitted for me. I should have just took my time before I just jumped into going to the Raiders. Yeah. So when I got there, obviously I didn't know anyone personally, but I knew guys because I played against these guys my whole career at at, uh, San Diego. So I knew a bunch of guys, but I still didn't have someone that I was, you know, hanging out with. So I'm trying to find myself on the team. And, uh, you know, I meet a female out there that, um, you know, some of the guys liked. And they didn't get. Mm. So the new, the new guy comes in and gets one of them girls that some of the guys like. Were they, the girls there just around or what? I, I met this girl at a club. And once certain players saw me talking to her they approached me and said okay this is such and such you know you know there's a lot of brothers that's tried to get at this girl mm, that, that didn't okay. so you know you're gonna you're gonna catch some heat some hate basically and that's what i caught you know what i'm saying so it was a bunch of it was a couple guys that just didn't like it and it was hating and trying to get me to leave her alone and and it just wasn't happening and there's a lot of tension in there and plus we weren't doing good. That my first year at the Raiders is when the year after they came from the Super Bowl and lost. And that was the their that year there was their downfall. Hmm. Um they we I don't know what I don't even know if we won a game that year. Probably won one game. Oh that wow. Year. That was oh three. That's when they started their downfall. So, you know, tension was high. The kickoff return team wasn't doing well. I was frustrated. Then it's this out off the field shit I was dealing with with the girl and these guys so um, I think we played Detroit the Detroit Lions and a reporter asked me after the game you know what's going on with the return team you know they brought you here to to do your thing but things are not working out and you know I I made a comment that I shouldn't have made <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> I, I, you know I just basically said the coach ain't doing his job <laughs> you know in yeah. so many words that's what i said and you know that was on a sunday night so monday you know we all we have meetings mondays and we start off with the special teams meetings on mondays but what's unique about mondays is that on these special team meetings the whole team is in these special team meetings it's not just the special team players it's the whole team coaches offensive lineman, quarterback, everyone's in this this meeting. So the special team coach gets up there and he starts off normal, you know. It was a surprise attack. You know, he started off normal and, uh, you know, and he just fucking just went in on me, called me out on my comment that I made to the reporter. And he was talking shit. And I'm still the guy from South Oxnard who can talk shit too 
and is ready to go at any given moment. And I got in that moment. Mm. And when he called me out and told me to tell the team what I said, I said, excuse my language, fuck you. <laughs> you tell them what I said. You have it right in your face. Because he had, he had it, you know, he had the printout of what I said. I said, fuck you, tell them what I said. So everybody's like, damn. All they knew of me is a quiet guy that wasn't talking. Yeah. But now they see this quiet guy lash out. And I'm like, and when I lashed out, I, I lashed out. And, I, you know, I basically told him to bring his fat ass outside and let's get with it. Oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A, lot, a lot of people don't know this story, but that's why I left the Raiders. Oh, shit. Because he wasn't going to coach no more if I was on the team. And, you know, they set me down and, you know, gave me my money. And I exited the building. <laughs> On a Tuesday, it happened on Monday. I exited the building on a Tuesday. Wow! And at that point, I was like, "Fuck football!" Yeah. Because I was just so mad because of this. I left the San Diego situation mad because I felt I was being done wrong. Then I come to this situation and it's just not working out. So yeah. I'm like, at this point, I'm like I'm tired of this shit. Like the Cowboys called me right away to come to Dallas and play that Sunday. Mm. Wow. I said no. You're just done with I it didn't all. Say, I didn't say nothing. I just didn't respond. Oh, the, shit. The, the Seattle Seahawks hit me up to come. It's like four different teams just hit me up to come. And I was just like, nah. I was just done. And, but then I'm sitting back week after week and I'm losing money. So now I'm like, shit, I got I to gotta find a team. So I ended up going to New Orleans, working out. And they loved me. And this was during the season. So they wanted me to, um, you know, I was working out and they wanted me, but they worked out somebody else. And he wasn't, the guy that they worked out, he was in there selling himself and giving a whole speech on why they should sign him. Mm. And, and me being a quiet guy, I'm just listening. Like, in my head, I'm like, I'm better than you. So they're going to they're gonna sign me. Mm. And they didn't. But they told me, if you're here when the season is over, we're going to sign you. If you haven't signed with a team, we're gonna sign. We just picking this guy. The guy was a veteran. He he was been he been in the league for a while, and I think they just wanted a veteran running back. You know what I'm saying? So they picked him, and it was only like four games left at this point. But as soon as the season was over, the New Orleans Saints called me up, and I went down there and signed the mm. contract. So, um, but um, so I got there, um. I know you didn't ask me this question, but now that we're talking nah, about it's it. it's all good, bro. Let's paint it. Um, so after I signed with the Saints, um, I went down there, found a place to live, um, was getting myself acclimated to the city and the area, the heat and all that type of stuff. Um, so that same girl that I met in Oakland, I brought her with me. Mm. The same girl that everybody was mad at me about, I brought her with me. Um so we're out there and uh you know once we started mini camp that went well training camp went super well and they loved me and they liked me and all that and um i had another moment of a lesson learned you know i got i was talking i'm really talking back to my running back coach but he had made a comment about a player how fast he was 
and I disagreed with him mm. in the meeting. And, you know, I'm in there and I'm making other players laugh and shit at what I'm saying. I think the coach took offense to that. Got you. Well, I know he did because after that, he treated me like shit. You know what I'm saying? He just treated me bad. So uh, I lasted till the week before the op opener and they released me and the coach, my head coach basically told me that he was the only one not really pushing for me to 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 to, to make the Damn. team. And the only thing I can think of is that moment in the meeting room that I was kind of talking shit. But they all wanted me there. They loved me. But he just kind of made it seem like I wasn't a good fit as a running back. So, And that's all it takes is for one of the coaches to say something like that. And, I, and again, that, that, that I learned a lesson from that. You know what I'm saying? And really the biggest lesson that I learned from all this shit that had to do with the NFL is that it was just a stepping stone. For sure. For me to get to where I'm at. I met a lot of people. I have a lot of friends that played a lot of Hall of Fame famers, and I was fortunate. But that was just a moment, you know what I'm saying? And I learned so much from all those moments, the good ones, the, the so-called bad ones. I learned so much from that. But that's just a page, bro. Like, where I'm at now is just football is not even – I don't even watch football. Yeah, no, for sure, dude. That's a um... – the life that you lived that's a life right there yeah. for just just a regular person you know that's yeah. something that's something to live on forever yeah but for you to uh fast forward to today to be getting into the uh commercial cannabis space that's huge man so let, let's talk about that yeah. uh advocate society mm -hmm. bard boys commercial um cannabis how'd you get into that field and what was your motivation on that so my boy that I went to high school with, he put me on. I'm not going to put his name out there, but mm -hmm. he, he put me on to, to cannabis. And um, he came to me first when Wainimi opened up for licensing. Um, and he said, "This you should do this because you have everything they want. You have the name, the reputation, etc." You're, you would be the face. You went to yeah. Wyoming High School, et cetera, et cetera. And at first I was like, nah, I'm good. You know, I just wasn't even thinking about, you know, that that side of cannabis. But then a couple months went by and I'm thinking like, mm, this, uh, this shit is a big business. So that's when I was like, you know what, let me, let me, let me do this. But before I do it, I have to find the right people that's going to help me do it. Because I'm not a person that thinks I know everything. Now, I mean, I might have some qualities, but whatever I lack, I'm finding someone around me that that um, is rich in, For sure. in this, in, in whatever we need, you know. Uh, Lorenzo is a really, really good communicator. Mm -hmm. Talks very well, articulates itself very well. I don't talk that much, right? So Lorenzo's on my side most of the time. Not that I need him to speak for me, but he can. He has a way of talking yeah. that I don't. Um, people who just know more than me with cannabis, I just get those people around me. Randy Latimer, 
who was a police commander for 30 years. He has a reputation in this city. He's a well-known person, a respected person. I bring him around me. You know what I'm saying? I'm bringing people around me that I know is going to help this situation and not me just coming in there because I played football and I'm from here. Give me a license. No, nah, it doesn't work that way. I got to build a team of people, of respectful people, to make this happen. And that's basically what, what happened is, you know, we built a team and um, hired the right uh, people to work on our application and went in and did did the damn thing. So you guys got the, the permits and everything? Yeah, so we're going through the permit process now. But um, the, the initial getting the license, it doesn't stop there. So when you when you when you win out of the 50 applicants that applied, you know, the, there's a certain amount that's going to they're only uh, at first they're only allowing eight, eight uh, dispensaries. Gotcha. So we finished seven out of the eight. So that's in Oxnard itself? In Oxnard. OK, gotcha. So we, we finished seven out of eight of those. Um, so when you when that initial you won, now there's a process of actually getting open and being able to do business in the city. And that's when you go for these uh, specific uh, uh, permits that you have to get. Um, the first is the SUP, the special use permit. Um, if you don't get that, then you're not going to work. Uh, you're not going to open business at Oxnard. Mm. No, that's the first thing you that, that you have to go in front of the, the commission and they got to vote you in. You know, you got to, you know, they'll talk to you, ask you questions and you got to basically sell yourself and tell them what you want to do and your plans on how you're going to conduct business and, and, and how you're going to do for the city and they vote you in or they vote you no, you know? So we, when we went in there, um, everyone voted us in mm. and, and it was never that for any other, other business. They, it was maybe one or one that didn't. What do you feel like the, your guys's upper hand was just having people on the team that were well known and respected in the community or the plans to, to give back, uh, to, you know, charities or, you know, the pow, things like that. I think it's a combination of, of both. Um, we're, we're, we're not just from here. We're talking about some, you know, some powerful names. It's it's one thing to just be from here, but it's another to just have some, some respect on these people's names. For sure. I'm saying you, when you speak of Randy Latimer, there's respect that comes behind that, you know, when you speak of Lorenzo Booker, there's some respect that comes behind that. Ronnie Jenkins, there's some respect that comes behind that. Um, we're already doing stuff in the community. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're already doing that. Um, but the upper hand um, and what I think is going to separate ourselves from everyone else is that we are from here. Yeah. And our plans are very unique on how we're going to attack this, you know, and I, I would love to say it on here, but I'm not. But our plan is going to be very unique on, okay. how, and on how to get the community behind us and support us. Because um, we want to we want to get the community. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what uh, our first our first uh, goal is to get the community. You know what I'm saying? So and we have a we have a, uh, a strategic um, way of, of going about that. 
got you. So at this point right now, um, do you have a date that Bard Boys is going to open up? It's on Esplanade Drive by uh, sort of by the In-N-Out, Krispy Kreme, that area. It's off of Vineyard. Vineyard. Right off the freeway. Okay, yes. Right off the Vineyard. Okay. Um, so it's where that Krispy Kreme is is in that Wendy's. There's a Wendy's right there. Yes. Yeah. directly across the street. From, from Wendy's, right. Yes. Okay. So that's so, the same parking lot as uh, Home Depot, is it? It used to be Home Depot. Okay, got you. Okay, it's perfect. Now, it's now uh, the, the, the Mexican store. The Vallarta. Yeah. Okay, got you. So is it right there? But we're right on the corner, though. Okay. Um, yeah. So how long until uh, that's going to open up? Do you have a date or anything so like that? So we don't have an official date, but we will be open this year. Sick. Um, uh, so by December, but hopefully before that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Dude, sounds good, man. Um, like I was saying before when I had Lorenzo in here, he was kind of breaking down kind of the plans that you guys had going on. And then when I seen you on social media and actually see the building with the logo on it. Yeah starting to come to life man yeah i'm excited for you guys thank you i appreciate you man yeah of course so uh i know you got to get out of here bro but when uh when bar boys opens up hopefully we can have you oh, yeah, in here for, sure. for another podcast i like what you got going on here thank you so much yeah. brother i appreciate it man no and uh you know everybody anybody that's trying to do anything locally here i always want to have them on the podcast because we do have a lot of people locally that mm-hmm. do listen and uh probably a lot of people with that same mentality that you know that that sort of jealous mentality just because they've never seen anybody do it before yeah. in their face maybe they've seen somebody do it online or mm. somebody that they respect but knowing somebody that goes from from parkview to elementary or to eel green to Wainimi, and then them getting a scholarship to college and then going to play for three nfl teams and then now starting a whole a whole nother career that's that's motivating man yeah. and your your story is one that i wanted to share and i definitely want to be part of it in the future man yeah for sure so bro. hopefully when everything opens up go by there and uh and uh, enjoy some of the products yeah for sure man <laughs> so for everybody listening right now if they want to be uh be a part of what you guys got going on where can uh, we direct them to you could direct them to our instagram uh bar boys uh ox um i believe bar boys ox uh kind of looks like bar boys south oxnard yeah but oh that's yeah, yeah it does but uh yeah you can reach us on there um we'll have uh we'll be at some events coming up um the jazz festival in september we'll be there okay promoting uh our wellness company and our cannabis company um but we'll be setting up shop all over the city doing a bunch of different charity work um until we open okay so for sure well guys make sure you check out ronnie um i'll have the instagram below and dude, we'll we'll keep an eye on it and when uh when the opening day comes up man we'll definitely be there we'll check it out thank you man appreciate you but ronnie i appreciate uh appreciate you being in here dude and i appreciate your time man thank you thank you man and uh thank you guys all for listening once again this is another episode of downtime with downstar and uh we out peace <laughs>